Thank you for listening, and welcome to Sacramento Musicology, the interview podcast exploring the creative musicians of Sacramento, California. Please subscribe to Sacramento Musicology wherever you listen to podcasts and follow along on Instagram at Sacramento Musicology. This podcast is dedicated to discovering the creative process behind Sacramento songwriters and musicians. I hope that our conversations add value to your own creative path and inspire you to go out and support local artists. Thank you again for listening. And if you're interested in having a conversation, please reach out via Instagram. This podcast is brought to you by Luna's Cafe, established in 1983 in Sacramento, California. Luna's Cafe serves the fine, freshest juices and liquidos in town, nothing frozen or concentrated. Luna's menu also includes sandwiches, salads, the world-famous quesadilla, fresh ground coffee, mochas, and other espresso drinks. A nice selection of beer and wine is offered to be, so be sure to stop by in the evenings for live music, open mics, and wonderful entertainment from one of Sacramento's most prominent cultural hubs. Luna's Cafe is located at 1414 16th Street, Sacramento, California. Yeah, it's good to talk to you, man. I like talking to you. You've got a very, very creative mind, and uh, I like the way you write music. I like the way you write lyrics. Um, Thanks, man. So... I appreciate it. Let's get, I, I think for the last hour, we were talking about, um, we were talking about the writing process a lot. Yeah, we were, huh? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. Um, anything recently that's like inspiring you about the writing process or um, thinking about it differently? Ooh. I know you talked about making your lines shorter. Anything else like that? You know, um, like little little songwriter hacks and tricks, tricks, little things Maybe, I'm, wor- or little, just way you, things how I'm working on. Yeah, or how you're thinking about it. Um, right now, I'm trying to... Uh, well, I, I guess I'll touch more on that, on why I'm trying to do shorter lines with some songs. is um, um, Another artist who's great at that is... is uh, a lot of the 60s and 70s artists were good at that. I, the one who comes to mind is Jim Morrison, for sure, though. Um, I think... <laughs> I'm, I'm one of those dudes who, who went through you know, that crazy Doors phase where you just listen to the six Doors albums and soak up Doors, yeah. you know, lore. Um, <clears throat> but, uh, you know, he, he would paint these crazy vivid pictures and the way he'd... It would be like these, like, house upon a hill, moon is lying still, shadow in the trees, sh- uh, uh, something in the cool breeze, run, run, run with me. You know, if you think of each of those lines... Um, like shadow on the hill, like that's uh, five syllables. Like moon is lying still. Five syllables again. Like something in the, ch- is it shadow in the trees or like some? Uh, I forget the first word, but it's um, his ability to do these really quick lines that were only five syllables, and he yeah. does, he does that with um, um with a, with a few different songs, and uh, I started noticing that in his songs that this like this 
uh, Jim Morrison was like one of the most vivid songwriters of all time. Really? And, uh, you know, he, he made all these crazy different characters, but his lines would be these really quick, quippy things. And so uh, mainly I've, I've been trying to notice just things like that that other artists do um, that I don't, just things other artists do that I don't do, really. Yeah, and, right. Um, ironically, I came from, I think part of why I write long, uh, longer lines and, and lyrics sometimes is um, when I first started writing lyrics, I was listening to a lot of, a lot of rap music. And... Um, a lot of rappers, one thing that's, that's so cool about them, like, for one, it, like, I think the, like, a lot of rappers are some of the best lyricists of all time, just because in order to spit words that fast, like, and, you know, make a whole song, you got to write like three or four times as many lyrics in order to do that. You know, you're not holding out a note of a, of a word and, and singing it, uh, you know, so. I yeah. would, you know, I would listen to just kind of like the, a lot of the old school so 90s like the, rap and, you know. The amount of words they use. Yeah, their structuring is, is crazy. The amount of words they're structuring. And then you'll notice, like, they'll they'll have, like, like you were saying, where there'll be one line where it's, like, a few extra syllables. And, like, some of these guys can, like, they can fit these extra, like, syllables in. And it's just, like, like how do you say that many syllables in one second? Like, whoa, you know, like, um, so when I first started, started, writing lyrics i was you know i was listening to a lot of the uh um a lot of the 90s rap you know uh like Pac, biggie eminem just all the all all the the main the main dudes and and hearing their structures um it really influenced me a lot so then in the later years i kind of like um tupac and biggie will have like five six minute songs yeah yeah they got a lot to say yeah Yeah, like they'll be it's crazy um and uh some of those songs are long yeah yeah and some of them like if, if it's you know cause i remember growing up like you, i'd hear like my grandpa or, or, or different people or or um they'd hear rap songs and uh you know they wouldn't on un- at first you hear it when you're a little kid and it sounds like someone's talking and they are talking but like then when you try to do it it's like holy cow this is rapping yeah rapping it's yeah. like it's it's really hard to do <laughs> i'd imagine it's super hard to do it's really hard to spit words that fast and not stumble your words and tell a story and and paint an emotion behind it um yeah and, you know it's 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 crazy it's one of those things too in life that kind of looks easy yeah for some reason because it's just someone talking and you're like i can talk yeah or if, if you're doing like, it the the greats make it look easy oh uh, yeah you know, yeah you know, the greats make it look easy but still it's like you don't need an instrument you don't need anything like yeah right you just need beats and whatnot be, yeah and the really just to be able to put a pen into a pad and until you, you i think mainly you need something to say as <laughs> the thing is if you're if you're gonna yeah. write a rap you know you need you need to what are you trying to what do you it depends. What you're trying to say, does it change for you? Yeah. Like it, it changes song to song for yeah. sure. Yeah. 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 Or sometimes sometimes there'll be like it's it's like depends on your your rhythm your of your life too, right? Like Yeah. Yep, totally. Or uh, seasonal. A lot of times it depends on what um like sometimes Seth will write an instrumental tune and I'll hear it and it'll remind me of a certain feeling um, or like, I'll just be like, Oh, that's, you know, that's aggression or, Oh, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. a sadness or, Oh, you know? Yeah, yeah. And some, and so sometimes I'll work, I'll kind of work from what feeling he's given me uh-huh. with, uh, <clears throat> with what he's run, writing on the guitar and, uh, and go with that. And that kind of, that allows me to, to paint the feeling and figure out what, what I'm going to talk about, what, 
you know, what is this song about? You yeah. Know? Yeah. So. So you hear something and then you have this, like, uh, feel it in your body, visceral reaction yeah. to, yeah, you, to you, what it feels like. You kind of just, like, step back and go, like, what is what does this sound like? What does this tune sound like? You know? Yeah. What are these instrumentals? What's, what, what is the story that should be laid on top of this, you know? Yeah. I was talking to a friend the other day and, and she was like, um, we were listening to Neil Young and she said, uh, something about his voice, but his ability to emote. Hmm. And I was like, okay. Cause Neil Young and Dylan may be in that category of not having the most friendly voices to some ears. Yep. You know, if you don't like, like really like music, maybe yep. you'd be like, what's going on here? Um, but their ability to emote. Yeah. And uh, you do that. Thank you. I yeah, appreciate you definitely that. do yeah. that. Um, I think it, uh, I've heard that too. That's something that I heard um, that kind of gave me confidence actually to pursue writing lyrics was, you know, I, I, I've never felt like I'm quote unquote the best singer, but um none of my favorite songwriters were when you look at it and that's what i like most about them is they like they knew how to just, people love that yeah I mean, they people just know love to go because, full ham anyway yeah like, yeah <laughs> people love it because they can relate to it yeah i think so i think so i heard my mom one time when i was in in high school this always stuck with me she came to me and she was like i read some article i don't remember in what magazine i wish i did but um she said she read an article where they'd done a study and they said that it's from whatever group they talked to, people responded more to songs where artists strained their voices in the pursuit of trying to say what they were, you know, when their voices would squeak or strain a bit, that got a, a more positive response than the artists who are trained like someone off American Idol, you know. Really? Uh, yeah and so wait, uh, again read this, this was, study she read a study and then <laughs> just like talked to me about it in the kitchen in high school so again i, I this don't <laughs> don't you know don't run with I, i'm not basing this up it was just sure. something that i heard it's okay but it stayed with me and it gave me i i just decided to believe i mean it, it. makes sense right <laughs> i decided to believe it i was like i'm i'm that's gonna give me you know you choose what voices to listen to and i chose to listen to that one <laughs> you know but if you think about like think about Kurt Cobain like like uh, his voice straining like it's yeah. it's like yeah and it's beautiful it's it's awesome you know or mm-hmm. like uh, Janis Joplin like uh, or yeah. uh, I heard someone's like I read somewhere that like supposedly Stevie Nicks sometimes after she would sing Rhiannon on stage she like every once in a while would like her voice would just be too blown out to sing like the next gig. Um, I wish I could fact. I need to start fact checking stuff before I come over here and talk to you. But uh, but like, again, I think either that, way, you know, like, facts are important. I think it's uh, true. I want to yeah. premise this with that fa- facts are important, but the sentiment too. But I guess you need yeah, sometimes. that's that's what's. I guess I'll say this: all that stuff. Those are all the things that that give me the confidence as a singer. Yeah. To, don't get me wrong. I I. Um, you know, I go swimming, I go running, and I, I do try to, um, um, you know, and I try to do vocal. I, I don't like vocal warm-ups, but they are important, and I, and I do try to do them. Um, uh, but mainly, I, I, I just love it. It's, <laughs> you yeah. know, I just like, I love that. Yeah, I love just that emoting, you know. The emoting. Yeah. 
because you're 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 moving through things, you're processing things. It probably feels good when it's over with. Maybe in in the moment it feels good too. Maybe leading up to it, not so much. But when it's it, there's like a release there, right? I think so. There's a build up and a release. It 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 definitely depends on the jam. <laughs> there's I've learned uh, um, <laughs> from some playing some previous songs um, that sometimes you write a song about something you've gone through that kind of sucks. <laughs> then you're stuck singing about that thing, yeah. you know. And so I've learned like to like that's that's I guess when I say something trying to make something yeah. timeless, I want to make it like. Sometimes you there's know, something hard that you so, need to remember, and so you just deal with the pain of that. But, I think you know. that that's when music gets religious. <laughs> because you're talking about affirmational work. You're talking about what do I want to say? Like, what do I want to, how do I want to move about my life? What do I want to say? That's affirmational. You're, you're becoming aware of, like, oh, my speak impacts, my speech, sorry, impacts my hmm. being, you know? Yeah. And so if you're singing sad songs all the time, I mean, just from, you get it, right? Like, yeah. you're, you're in that headspace. Yeah. And it's, I, it's like, what do you want to keep having to say, like, each time you go on stage? And then what do you want to, what do you want to be, like, left over as, like, what do you want to be known for having said, you know? <laughs> like, if, when, when, when you die, you know? Right. Straight up. <laughs> yeah. It's <laughs> something to think about, you know? It's a deep question. It is. <laughs> uh, you think about that? Oh yeah, every time, every time, like every time I'm writing a song, I I, I think about that for sure. It's what just, about what? What kind of impact? Whether or not, yeah, whether or not I'm actually like saying something that I want to say and that I want to leave behind when I die, for sure. Because I mean, any song you write with a band, like I believe in my band. I believe we'll be together for years to come. You know, so. When I write a song with them, I, I'm like, okay, I'm gonna be, you know, the more times I play this, I'm like trying to. My goal is to implant it in history, so it's like, it's I, I, I do find it's important that what I'm what I'm trying to say is important, and it kind of just like boils down to what do I think is important, and that 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 kind of changes from some song to song. You know, some songs are really goofy. You know, like they're like because that's something I think is important. I think life should be kind of goofy to some extent. I think Absolutely. you should be able to have humor and yeah. laugh. You know, so it's like yeah. hell yeah, I want to be remembered of it as the guy who wrote that super goofy song. You yeah. know, like you know, and then sometimes it's like oh, I've got I learned something from something really sad I went through, and I want to tell the world about that and yeah. leave, leave that. You know, so kind of yeah. depends. You know, yeah. Yeah, I don't think about that. <laughs> it's I don't know if uh, I don't know if everyone does, and I don't know if it's always like sometimes like, I, I don't think, know if it's always the <laughs> healthy. <laughs> well, I mean, no, there is because you're editing, you're editing. Yeah, it's it's, it's another form of editing. Yeah, I guess so. You know. Yeah. I think. I didn't know. I'll say this though. Yeah. Just so in case any like oh and fact checks me, I didn't. I didn't always think about that. Uh, there's uh, I, that came with, you know, writing some songs and then hearing the recordings later and being like, I don't really like that I said that. You know. <laughs> oh, that but, happens. 
Um, that, yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah. I'm yeah. 28 now, so there's like there's songs I wrote when I was like goofing off when I was 19, not really thinking about what I was saying or 20. You know, where I look back and I'm like, yeah, I didn't. Oh yeah. You know, and that's I guess that's part of how you learn, you know. But yeah, yeah, and that's out there. Yeah, sometimes it's, it's out, out there, there somewhere. You know? It might come back and haunt me. You never yeah. know, you know. It's, uh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But it was an expression, so that's important. It's part of my story. For you. Yeah. 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 It's not who I am today, you know, <laughs> but it's... <laughs> I feel like you're making a public service announcement. <laughs> no, I, 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 I don't know if anybody would ever even, like... I'm more just thinking of, like, like stuff like... Um, if people found probably any of my old diaries or mm. if they were to find an old, you know, any of my old weird demo discs I made in my bedroom, mm-hmm. you know, when I was younger. You know. The diary thing is interesting because uh, it's a very private thing. Yeah. And if someone did see someone else's journal, you, do you ever think, do you journal? Do you diary? You know, I, I guess when I say diary, I mostly mean like, Song. Songs. Mostly, I diary through songwriting. I don't. Okay. Really, I don't. I rarely keep an actual diary. I okay. mostly just like vent through rhyming stuff. <laughs> really? But, yeah, yeah. Mostly. Yeah. So you vent through rhyming. Yeah. I'll. I'll. I'll yeah. I. I rarely actually just journal, and uh, I. I think part of it is um, uh, through metaphor and rhyming. Sometimes it's easy to get something off your chest without like leaving something behind that someone can later find and like see a piece of you that you, you know, see something intimate about you that you Uh don't necessarily want it. Like it it leaves you less vulnerable if you will. Yeah. 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 Uh, Yeah. So do you think that it's, it's also valuable to just like, like what if someone did find it in uh, your journal and it was, some crazy weird stuff about yourself and it's like okay it's like whatever i don't know that's that that's i mean that's tough to say it probably depends on what what <laughs> probably depends on what the diary said for one and how far it got out because you know i guess that that does happen with uh you know artists and the i i guess i think about like you know um how some artists they do find old diaries and then they'll release you know page sometimes they release pages to the public and it's like it's kind of weird to think about because like like i don't know if that artist ever really wanted the whole public to read like these little them working out things in their head you know their their thought process that they were just putting on page you know yeah yeah i do it just for like mental health yeah and that's that's the the point right you know yeah and I just do ten minutes, and I'll I have no structure. It's mostly like nonsense. I think that's really. I honestly, I think I should do that more. I I'm, I'm not saying it's a good thing that, <laughs> like I I I I really mean to write in my diary more, but uh, I'm just lazy. It I feels to, good. Yeah. Like, and do you do it multiple times a day? I do it on the typewriter. I do it on the computer. So I'll just put on clock for ten minutes put on some music and just just go just get it and out just type yeah. and like it's all free of association do you ever feel like um when you like type out what you're feeling like in diary form that then afterwards like your thoughts are kind of organized and you're able to write songs sort of better around what what you've typed out afterwards a little bit but i think more than that i'll go back into the chaos and get lyrics 
like mm. like some cool interesting turns of phrases and ideas it's psychedelic it's pretty psychedelic because it's just free of uh what would you uh, call free, it free free form, free form? Yeah. yeah sometimes it'll be coherent i'll be like oh, i need to get this out but then sometimes it'll be more you find out how big your vocabulary is too <laughs> Huh. By doing that, I th- I've realized because I'll go back and look and be like, I only know like 50 words. <laughs> I keep reusing ocean and water and fire and jungle. <laughs> like I put and water ones, and but. hotter and daughter and that's all I know. But then, <laughs> but then I've been throwing in like, then I'll surprise myself too. That was a big word. But... Yeah, that that's been super cool songwriting process is doing that free write and then letting that lyric kind of write the rest of the song. I like that. That makes sense. Yeah. That's the first line of the song for one. It yeah. happened, happened one time. That's the seed. That's the yeah. seed. Yeah. I like that. I should do that more often. <laughs> they used to have us do stuff like that for like writing exercises in college. That's probably why I asked. Oh my god, that that just sounds like good therapy and good really good writing exercise Mm. that's i learned something here but i like that that's how i utilize my cup of coffee you know yeah that's what i do with my cup of coffee we were talking about using plants for life but i like that you also go to just getting it off your chest you say it's it's easier to get it off your chest if you just kind of rhyme it out yeah and feel it out I don't know why that is, I just, but sometimes I, I really do, like, feel like... Because language is, has limits. Yeah. I feel like sometimes I, I really can't say what I'm, like, I, I, I don't know how to... I, I don't really feel like I'm a super good communicator um, when I'm just talking to people. Like, even now in this interview, like, the whole time, I'm like, oh, I'm, like, stressed, I'm going to stumble over my words or something, you know. But when I'm writing, I feel like the ability to slow down and ironically being constricted to six like vowels to rhyme with um and that structure it like gives me this like sort of like this playground to think within and then then i'm able to sort of sort through you know and a lot of times if i especially if i can find a metaphor that i that really relates to a situation i'm going through in my life um so metaphor is important you don't actually just do. I like it direct, more if I can find yeah. a metaphor that I can Why? attach it to. Um, I don't. That's a good question. I think, for one, I I, I do think it 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 allows for, I think people to maybe interact with it a little easier. Um, it kind of gives an example of what I'm I'm thinking. Maybe. Um, I think maybe it allows. Maybe what I should say is is when other people use metaphors, it enables me to interact with things. I've always I've always found that that was a really oh effective way to communicate with me. So it's kind of how I try to communicate with song. But if um, if I can find like definitely a metaphor for what I'm trying to say, it it also um, it it kind of takes where you go with the song and it gives you a direction to go instead of just like, Oh, I'm feeling sad about this. I'm like, you know, I'm angry and I'm, I'm depressed. So you can like 
be like, what do what do I feel like, right? Like what what what's what would symbolize this depression? What maybe like mm-hmm. it's a a well, or maybe it's a uh-huh. maybe it's a a dead flower on the side, or a dying flower on the side of the road, or like like a weed on the side of the road that you describe about that's a, a metaphor for your depression, and then you fi- try and dip, I think the process of finding things that's that you cool, know you man, know I like then, that, and then it's like yeah. a, the way that you know. Um, you know the weed sticks out there right in the middle of the road but then everybody drives past it and it's yeah. literally surrounded by everybody like throughout the whole day but it's just this nasty like it feels like it's this nasty like thing on the you know and like being dug dig into that like metaphor for you know the well you know a nasty weed growing in the middle of the road and how you feel like that and like you just wish other weeds would start growing with you and then you know and and so then like you know so it's i think that's where like the metaphor that's how my brain works is when i can attach some sort of symbol or some sort of something to um what i'm trying to say it enables me to really think through it and that's kind of where a lot of my therapy happens you know i like that that's cool that's very cool so you you let the first metaphor kind of dictate the second metaphor Sounds like, right? Like sometimes you yeah. kind of commit to a metaphor <laughs> and then you're like, all right, we're going with weeds. Yeah. Um, a lot of times, and then I'll kind of write that, I'll write out that song and kind of go ham with it. A lot of times it kind of gets halfway through it. It kind of loses its, uh, you know, I'll have to come back to it later and make it make more sense. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, sometimes, sometimes, you know, like I'll try and make a metaphor for something and it'll just kind of give me some therapy in the moment. And yeah. it won't really actually be a good song. It'll just be a, right. you know, just a diary entry. But sometimes you you realize later you're like, wow, I, this actually came out really cool. You know, this yeah. is this has a soul to it. You know. Yeah. So. Yeah, I heard someone say one time about because sometimes when I write, I'll, I think I'm way more way less lyrical than you are, so I'll write, do some chords and just hum something. Hmm. And then go back and try to just match words to what I was humming. Interesting. I, or what I like I was, that. The tune I was doing. That makes sense. Because I don't really play instruments as much at all. I so, know. Yeah. But you're coming so from a. You've got to do both. You're, of you're them. coming lyric first. I'm coming music first. Harmony first. Yeah. And I think we could both learn from each other. Like definitely. That lyric first thing is something that I need to get more into. Where I'm like, put the guitar down. Don't pick it up. Just write a song. Definitely. And what I'm curious what that world is like. Like, how can I... What is, I don't know. Tell me about that. Um, you know, even when I'm like... A lot of times when I'm like writing on my own, uh-huh. sometimes I'll even put someone else's song on repeat. Because having something to kind of come to it with does kind of... Some, Wait, you'll play another person... Uh, a song? Yeah, like say... Um, Say I'm like I've got some song that's in my head at the time, and I'm I'm listening to it a lot. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that song, while I'm listening to it, I'll have start having lyric ideas. Yeah. And when that happens, sometimes I'll I'll just hit the repeat, set that song on repeat, uh-huh. and then I'll sit down and let that song just kind of like batter away at my subconscious while I focus on my lyrics. And um, what it does is then it enables you to like. It for one, it usually kind of like helps you put a structure to the song because you're writing to a tune already, uh-huh. and then um, you can kind of take and then you don't have to really do it. You don't have to do it to that exact structure either. It just kind of helps you like 
feel kind of helps you have a tune like that you're writing to and a lot of times like the thing is i'll try this uh, the thing is good. you'll think of a lyrical tune to what, like, the song you choose is the song like that what is that important no no did you just put on any song any song that, that could inspire you and then like um write a lyrical tune to it that's not the same tune that the other lyricist wrote you know what i mean like uh-huh. they like a lot of times when i hear a tune and i hear what a, another lyricist did on it i'm like huh that's really interesting that's uh-huh. not at all what i would have done you know uh-huh. but like cause there's you mean like uh the melody yeah yeah like uh like your madman songs like like if i was to like listen to them i would probably write a completely different lyrical tune than whatever you wrote on them you know uh-huh. or, or any song just because that i you know my brain everyone's brain hears a difference so yeah. like sometimes what i'll do is i'll just take someone else's song um you know it could be anyone it could be the beatles and you know it doesn't matter and then and then just put one of their songs on repeat and then write a tune to that song and then maybe then change it up a little bit you know give it your own spin but but kind of let that there yeah. that structure and then when you go to then give it a lot of times i'll do that and then i'll give it like a month so that you can kind of forget give it a month give it kind of like sometimes yeah like i'll let it kind of forget whatever tune i was doing and then come back to it and write a new tune to it so it's kind of washed of whatever you know feeling you had before you know yeah. or or you can just not give it a month and it doesn't really matter you know <laughs> This process that I'm doing right now is like, I try to just do one take a day of a song. And sometimes the songs are fully written, sometimes they're not. Uh, but there's 10, and I just kind of pick one. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to do a take of that. At some point today, I'll, I'll do a recorded demo of it. It might The take might be me on the guitar and voice, and then add in a backup vocal or add in the second guitar. I don't really go too much further than that. But, but it slowly builds. Yeah. yeah. And then you start listening to your like demoing process and you're like, holy shit, like this is kinda turning into something. Hell yeah. So I'm that trying to take more Yeah, more time with it too. Uh, I should I should take a yeah. I should do that. That's that's pretty wise because you know, sometimes I'll burn myself out, you know. On one. Yeah, I'll go yeah. really hard. No, and, yeah. You know. You schedule it out so like tomorrow I know what song I'm doing. Today I did one, so I'm like, I'll wake up and play it once, or I'll get in the 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 world yeah. of that song a little bit. Yep. So it's easier to perform too, and you get more of a authentic yeah I think take of it. How do, oh, you know what's been really hard for me is doing vocals, just vocals like in the vocal booth at a recording studio. Really? Yeah. Without like, the instrument? Without the guitar, without my guitar, man. Like Some guys are like that. Yeah. I'm uh, one of those guys. <laughs> that's, that's, uh, You're into it. They say Kurt was like that. He had that. Kurt oh, because he's, he's playing yeah. guitar. They say, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know if that's true, but they, yeah, they say he would have to have his, his acoustic in his hand and be playing at the same time. I feel that. I don't... I um, I um, Most of my songs, I'm not playing to them, so... Right. I am, uh, but, uh, but I what do, do you do in that booth, regardless? Like, what, what kind of? Um, man, it's 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 a head game for yeah. sure. You know, yeah. it's <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I I think that's that's the that's the tough part is like knowing when you got the right take. You know, and a lot of times it happens yeah. in the first two. Yeah. And then if you don't get those first in those first couple takes, yeah. <laughs> then you're you're digging through these trenches for a little bit trying right. to trying to get in that character. Um 
And you know that's 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 something I love still to this day. Really respect about musical theater is the way actors have to step on stage every night and snap back into that headspace and go. You know, and um, so I think that's that's something that's um, that's hard about the vocal booth is like your entire headspace, your entire personality. All that matters is how it sounds. There's no like because I can run around, roll around on stage, and have fun and you know entertain. You know, and like if my voice is like like hurting on stage that's not good you know but i also can like you know still do some antics and i can still entertain the crowd but in the in the, in the vocal booth there's no forgiveness it's like this is uh-huh. this is the, this is the best take that you ever have to do right now you know <laughs> and there's <laughs> so um yeah I, it that's that's kind of the thrill of it at the same time though but. yeah yeah but it's intense. I think, <laughs> I think it's the guitar thing for me. Having the guitar there, it's comforting. Hey, do it, do it, yeah. Do it. It's kind of, yeah that but you know that's dictated how I record music. Like Madman is all live. Those are all live takes, and fairly unedited. Interesting. So you don't even just like unplug the guitar and play the chord. Like you have to like be I sing recording. And play at the same you have time. you record both of them at the same time. The guitar and voice. Yeah. 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 I have to. <laughs> In fact, I did one. Old school, I love that. I did one today, which wasn't like that, which is where I did a guitar track first, and then I did a vocal, and I was like, it it worked out cool. And what was really cool is I didn't have any bleed, like for the first time in a year. And I was like, oh, I can pan the vocal all the way over here and EQ it and make it nice and clear, and like the guitar this way. Uh, That was cool. That's hella cool. I love that. I I I think there's something. I mean, if you look throughout history, some of those like live tracks are the ones that like have that that soul about them. That's like, uh, I've, I've we were talking earlier about how like Spotify has become a place where you can like, if yeah, you yeah. want, you can just put like whatever you the want. Farting sounds. Like, <laughs> yeah, like doesn't matter. Me and my buddy made like a project, um, like shouldn't do that. And we just like recorded a a bunch of like songs where he jammed acoustic. We were like hang out at like the park or whatever and just jam acoustic songs yeah. and sing along to them yeah. and then just record it on the iPhone and then just put it on Spotify. Like, yeah. Like, no, <laughs> no mixing, just iPhone voice memo. Straight just, to just straight. publish. <laughs> and, There's uh, nothing wrong with that. No, that's the thing is that for us, we're just like, you know what? We don't want to, we don't want to take the time and like we both had other bands but we were taking seriously and it was like, you know, this is just for fun but also like, I still enjoy listening to those old tracks. They're good. They, they, yeah. have, they, they still yeah, have they the soul, you know. Some too. Yeah. Uh, bootlegs. Yeah, I love a good like old, just scratchy old bootleg. It's my yeah. f- when I find it like yeah. old bootleg of a band, that's my favorite. It's like just the old, cra- you know, yeah. the old basement tapes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's like, good. It's just so real. It's so raw. Yeah. It's so authentic. And it gives you courage. You're like, oh, we all start. <laughs> we all start that somewhere. Too. Like, right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, it's not, it's not always the most glamorous um, portrait of the musician. I remember when I was in high school, uh, did you ever, so you know how, how old are you? I'm, I'm 32. 32, okay, I'm 28, so you remember LimeWire? Yeah, I do, yeah. Okay. I downloaded some albums a lot. Oh, yeah, yeah, like, so the the illegal downloading was, was a big deal in the early 2000s, as, as we all know, and, um, yeah, <laughs> and, um, what I, did you ever go 
Did you ever borrow CDs from the library and then just upload the tracks to your, your I would. iPod? I would. I did that I, all the time. I had a I had a business too in high school with uh, I would burn people CDs. They'd give me a list of ten songs, and then I'd go download them on LimeWire. I'd make the CD and I'd sell them the CD. Yeah. You know, I, honestly though, I'm proud of myself because if I really liked the band, I would go buy their album. Like if I listened to the album and I liked it, I would I would feel guilty and I'd go like. I go, I go pay the ten bucks at Walmart or whatever that you know. Yeah, I, I'm not totally proud of that, but uh, but it, it's like the whole I think that there. was the turning point of it all. It was like, oh, people can actually do what I did, which is like. Oh, and it's the thing. I I think like pretty much any um, any musician I talk to these days, or at least the ones that are my friends, we all we all illegally downloaded music in, in uh-huh. high school you know um, yeah. we're all guilty of it so we can talk <laughs> uh, actually there's some people who've probably done it but whatever you know uh but yeah no um, it was crazy because you could get an album that would cost sometimes twenty dollars yeah. like i remember the nirvana mtv unplugged i downloaded that one and yeah that one cost twenty dollars it was like now you can watch it on youtube yeah <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that great? Like we, because uh, you get the. It was DVD, it illegal then, back then. I mean, back then you, it was that, right. That was like a DVD, right? You probably had to like. I'm guessing you had to pay. I remember like you had a rock DVD compilation like that. It was like forty bucks. Oh right? yeah, thirty 50, bucks. Yeah. yeah, like so. Yeah, like it's buy. crazy seeing these like like huge concerts. You know, like you know, Chili Peppers slaying cows. You know, just epic concerts. That you just like look them up on YouTube for free now. It's like. Pfft what in the world like yeah that, that's that's nuts um like because i remember i remember i'd like buy a dvd of a band in high school and then you yeah. just wear that out that same dvd till it's like you memorize every move of that yeah that stinking concert they played. i yeah. think last time we talked about funky monks mm-hmm i love that documentary it might be the best one ever made it's it's pretty good because it just lets it be exactly what it is yeah there's no there's no narration ex- mm-hmm. except for the chili peppers themselves it's mm-hmm. just them just being themselves during the making of blood sugar sex uh-huh. magic like uh-huh. i feel like you guys could have get it. dad's underwear it's got a chili pepper vibe not musically but i would say <laughs> characterly <laughs> Uh, that would make. I mean, the, musically, Kiedis was a uh, maybe some music too. Actually, I take the, that back. Musically, they were some a big influence. In yeah, and, and um, but know, as far as having like those personas on stage, yes, that 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 has very that. much yeah. uh, influenced me. Um, you know, I I my chill. Chili Peppers. I, I I do love their their music. It's timeless. And and as I get older, I actually, uh, I listen to. Uh, the 80s chili peppers more than the late like when i was in high school i was listening to the by the way california cajun mm. blood sugar mm-hmm. and as i get older um i dug really into like the freaky styly mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. um, Mother's milk. Mo- yeah mo- up uplift mofo potter party plan mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. all that stuff and uh and it's just so raw and uh-huh. funky and, yeah and and awesome um, yeah but it's uh really just watching their antics that's one thing like that inspired me from the get-go was like Kiedis is one of those guys who just went so hard on stage and Fleet like both of those guys from day one were just going crazy and um at the extent that like sometimes you know you hear him like he'll even get out of he'll go so hard it'll be like a little bit out of breath but then he'll like he won't give up he'll he'll push through that um 
and it's it's been part of what's powered them you know from day one you know it's it's cool yeah they're very um physical yeah yeah there's a lot of physicality to that band yep i love that i love physical bands like those albums uplift mofo party mother's milk before blood sugar yeah when when uh for shante joined uh, 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 Mother's Milk he was did the Mother's first milk, was, right. uh, That's true. Right. Of, yeah. I think So he did Mother's Milk And then he did Blood Sugar That was the second one Yeah With the band New guitarist in the band Yep And then Different Totally different band Totally different From then on What's interesting is you're here um, What I really like about Mother's Milk Is is to me it really feels like a tribute To Hillel Slovak Um Especially in the sense of Frashante's guitar playing, because uh, you notice on Blood Sugar Six Magic, um, uh, Frashante really starts breaking into that Frashante style of guitar playing with like, especially the songs like Breaking the Girl and um, 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 Under the Bridge. Um, you really start hearing that that really almost like flowery, punctual, beautiful Frashante guitar playing that that he became really, really world famous for. Um, but on Mother's Milk, Hendrix too, like his. Yeah, it was like a ver- it was a it was an offshoot of Hen- what Hendrix did, which is interesting because I I've seen videos of a uh, interesting you say that because videos of Hillel Slovak I saw. Man, if you want to if you want to feel sad, look up their first guitarist Hillel Slovak because he was like Anthony Kiedis and Flea's like third main homie, and um, there's interviews where he talks about like Hendrix was his main his main in- influence like, that was the main dude where. Um, he focused in on that. So Hendrix actually inspired a lot of the early Chili Pepper stuff. And that first Mother's Milk album is really just Frashante trying to mimic Hillel Slovak's, you know. Because I think he was 17 when he joined the Chili Peppers. So he just kind of came in as the new guy who was a super fan. And was like, I'm going to I kind of try and play tribute to this guy's guitar, you know, style. Yeah. And um, what it really ended up doing is making these two different sides of the Chili Peppers that are like just... In my opinion, equally awesome, but not every band gets that second life where they create. They have this whole other style, yeah. you know. It's crazy. Pink Floyd is kind of like that. Yeah, With yeah. Sid Barrett and then David Gilmour. Totally, you're you're right. Yeah, because I, I love both of those eras in such different ways. Yeah, like, yeah. You're super right about that. I think it's just a different human joining a band. It's gonna change. Like, it's gonna change. It's gotta change. It even happened to Chili Peppers when they. Uh, when they switched to uh, Navarro for for the one right. album, uh, that's true, huh? <laughs> what uh, what was that? One hot minute. One hot minute. And then uh, even Klinghoffer. The songs are on that. Different. Uh, one hot minute as uh, my friends are so depressed. Yeah, my friends. Uh, my friends. Helicopter. I think police copter. What? Police cop. Whoa! Or is helicopter? Some sort of funk chant, like. Another warped was on there. Yeah, oh, that's yeah. a weird song. But then they the the real revival was Californication. I feel like then when Prashante came back, he came back, and he came back playing like. It's clear that he'd gone away and learned about synthesizers, <laughs> especially for By the Way, because he came back like playing the guitar like a synthesizer. Yeah, that By the Way is uh, when I. When I think of John Frusciante, I think of, by the way, for sure. Yeah, it's it, his expression. It's his, yeah. And I, I, from what I understand, most of the songs Anthony Kiedis writes on, by the way, are um, 
a lot of them are about John Frusciante. Um, like really, yeah. Like uh, I was reading up on it, and apparently a bunch oh, of them are like him writing God. about his homie. That's um, so heavy. Like uh, my favorite um, song on the album is "Don't Forget Me." You know, um, it's like the bow. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, the bass guitar. Yeah, which is interesting because, like, even doing that, like. You notice it's, it's a very humble bass lick, you know, and it kind of lets Frusciante yeah. go in and like do yeah. the crazy. Yeah. Um, but it's like, from what I understand, it's it's he just writing about Frusciante doing heroin. So it's like mm. um, the first verse is like, "I'm the snowfall up from underneath your feet." Um, like, oh, I'm trying to remember the lyrics. It's all the verse. First verse is very beautiful. You know, it's all yeah. about like the, the beauty. It sounds to me like it's all about the beauty and the magic of, really? of feeling the drug. And then the next verse is like, I'm the rainbow in your jail cell, all the memories of everything you've ever smelled. Like it goes dark and it's still really beautiful lyricism. But it, when I, when I, my, um, one of my old bands covered that song. Once I looked yeah. closer at the lyrics, I was like, <laughs> Whoa, like he just like went, you know, and, and um, it's, uh, I, he really showed, like, a lot of people say, like, oh, Anthony Kiedis from the Chili Peppers isn't writing about anything. Bullshit. Like, that. It, it, like hearing it, like, reading his writing from especially, um, yeah. like, his earlier stuff was kind of super funky, groovy stuff, but then his later stuff is like, whoa, yeah, this is just straight up poetry. It's, uh, but yeah, that album, is, it, it's just, I think about Franchante just so much when I'm listening to by it. By the way. Yeah, by the way. No doubt. I mean... The guitar playing on that album is really good. I'm so glad he's back in the band. Klinghoffer yeah, did a great it. job, though. I, I, I really... He's got, a good guitar player. He was a really good guitar player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, I, 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 like, I love that that was a whole story where, like, Klinghoffer was just such, like, a homie to the band, and, like, that that went down so respectful. As a big, like, longtime Chili Peppers fan, seeing, like, him, like... And Prashante having such a respectful relationship with each other. And well, I think they're friends. Yeah, they're totally friends. Yeah, like yeah. he, I'm, I'm happy that dude got to be lead guitarist in a couple of Chili Peppers yeah. albums because it seems like he earned yeah. it. You know, he, he, yeah. And he's the type of guy who he, he'll move on. Like he'll he'll find another project oh, yeah. to play in, and and he's a he's a he's and a hired gun in a way. You know, he's just he's a slinger. He's a yeah. gunslinger. Um, some of those songs, um. I mean, I'm uh, I'm a mega fan of those guys. Like I I I've I've explored I am too. those. Uh, I am too. I, I love, but for me, the the pinnacle of it all is Blood Sugar Sex Magic. Like that record. It's, I I love yeah. Frusciante. Yeah. But I think like I and I would put by the way second. I would put by the way in a close second after Blood Sugar as far as what I the guitar playing and like creativity. I'd agree with that actually. But by the way, it's close. It's second. Closely yeah, followed by second. Californication for me. Yeah, I I I'd have to, Ooh, I'd have to that's, to that that's one. tough though, because then like, you know, if I'm gonna be put on an island and have to listen to like a, <laughs> like a, like only three Chili Peppers albums, I'm gonna want to have Hello Slovak in there to oh, mix it up. Yeah, you know, yeah. that's a tough one. Some old school. So they're all all those albums are. Uh, what's crazy is I love their very first album uh-huh. because it's just the first ten songs they wrote. <laughs> is that right yeah like i mean my band is making our first album right now and we're like digging through like 30 songs to find the 10 best ones yeah and to think about like them just writing 10 songs and then those are the 10 like that's so 
rock and roll. That's so sick to me. Like, so I love thinking about that when I listen to that album and just being like, man, all 10 of these songs slap. They're all sweet. (laughs) (laughs) So why did they do that? It's like a record label thing. From what I understand, like, I love that we just went down a Chili Peppers tangent. Um, (laughs) From what I understand, reading, reading Scar Tissue, uh, back in the day is like, he just like, didn't really, (laughs) He didn't wasn't really planning on being like a front man and then it was like on a whim joined like started writing songs with them and then the songs he was writing with them like got a really big crowd reaction probably due to like we were talking about the stage antics and whatnot um and so like i think from what i understand like like their first show they only played like one song it was like they went out you know and like everyone loved it so then they just like each week kept writing another song and then once they had 10 songs it's like yep we'll record these <laughs> we'll record these 10 songs and um it's funny because i remember reading about like his writing process and wow. there's like there's a song called like police copter from the first album and it's just like he just like saw a police copter flying outside his window and didn't know what to write about so he's oh. just like i'm just gonna write about this police copter like I, yeah i know that song <laughs> aeroplane just remembered it. Oh, yeah, Aeroplane yeah. is on that. I like record. Pleasure Not Spike helicopter. with plane and music is my airplane. Yeah. Um, so you throw some Hillel Slovak on there. Yeah, for sure. You got to. He's, uh, you know, he. I yeah. think he was kind of like, he seems like he was kind of the, like. Well, there's a thread between Jimi Hendrix and Frusciante, and yeah. there's probably another guitar player in there, whoever Hillel was into. Well, that that was I know Hillel was Hillel was for sure was the one that I've seen that was into Hendrix. I'm sure Frusciante was too. There's some funk yeah. though. There's some James Brown like choppiness to those syncopated funk riffs, right? Like, yeah. There's some funkadelic. And there was that man. It's crazy because that old lineup had Jack Irons too, which is is so. Um, but but the uh, did he die as well? No, I don't think I don't think so. Was he the drummer? Shoot, I hope not. Um, uh, uh yeah he was a drummer yeah 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 uh, yeah so those old chili peppers albums yeah because he's the he's he's drummed in so many projects i don't even know how many like i i remember looking up his his stats of all the bands he's been in and it kind of blew my mind like irons is le- legend yeah um but uh what's crazy is uh looking up old hello slovak from the chili peppers the original guitarist the, looking up interviews of him uh-huh. is like it you really get a sense of how much of a legend he was just from how much candor he has when he's talking to the camera. He has, like, he's very, he just seems very clear-headed. He knows what he's saying. He seems very charismatic. And he really comes off kind of as, like, the leader of the Chili Peppers. From from how I felt watching old interviews with him, yeah. it always looked almost like Flea and Kiedis were, like, they're, like, they're fully in, they're going hard, and they're, like, also helping lead this project. And, like, they, I mean, they are the leaders of the project because they stuck with it, you know, even when he was off doing other projects. But, like, he has this sort of vibe about him that you only really, I feel like you only see unless you watch performances of him or watch old interviews, but he has this leadership vibe about him that really, it really made the band, um, it gave me another sense of chili, the Chili Peppers because you really start, after watching interviews with them, you start to really like him. You're just like, wow, I really like a little Slovak. And then you're like, man, this, like, this is such a heavy, how did this band survive? This is such a heavy blow. And huh. so that band is crazy because they're just kind of like a band of survival. They've survived yeah, yeah. some really hard stuff. You know? Right, right. And they, they weren't always like, 
they weren't always saints through it either. Like some of their, their, their stuff you read about it and you're just like, I, man, you guys shouldn't have done that. But yeah. like kudos for you for being honest about it at the same time, you know? So. Right. They're, <laughs> they're amazing, man. Well, they're, they're not, um, their story is amazing. Um, yeah, really. Uh, for me, it was always like the groove that Flea and Chad had Ooh, the yeah. pocket that they had, and like also Flea's tone mm-hmm. that he would use like live too. Flea. Really good tone. Flea, 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 man. Uh. And uh, just they had that bass playing, and then his antics. He he's my favorite. He has the best antics. He's a all. showman too. Oh, yeah. yeah, he's a showman. And then Chad's like banging on the drums. I heard that it's like it's hard to be in the same room as him. He's playing the drums, you know. <laughs> You're like you want to leave because he hits him so hard. Yeah, he's a, uh, he's like that. I love Chad so much because he's the chili pepper that's almost like the least chili pepper of them, and it makes him like almost the most chili pepper of them at the same time. Yeah. Like, because he has that dad vibe or something. Well, I mean, I gotta let chill. you borrow that book because from what I what I remember reading, like he was like the last of like it was thirty or forty uh, drummers <laughs> they auditioned, and Chad was like the last one. I think he was like ten minutes late. <laughs> the last one. <laughs> yeah, and he showed up, and then was like, uh, he was just like the one guy that like just. He was unfazed by all the shit they were talking to him and just walked in and just, like, was the one guy that hung with Flea on the drums. No problem. And it was, like, by the end of them jamming with Flea, they were just like, all right, that's the dude, you know? But from what I remember reading, he was, like, in, in L.A., like, pursuing, like, an acting career. That's the funniest part. Is that's so he, sick, he wasn't even trying to be a drummer. Like, <laughs> but he's one of, the, one of the greats, you know? <laughs> There's this YouTube video of Flea and Chad playing at like nom or something some weird music festival back in the 90s <laughs> just as a two-piece it's awesome just going at it just going at it it's and then they the, for a guitar player like that is such a cool thing you know yeah. like and then to just kind of take the the um the treble clef of that three that bass drum and then you're on top and join in on that like madness like and they are so like they make so much sound that like like what's crazy about them is like because anthony's syncopated too in his delivery he's almost like percussion in a way too yeah because what's weird about them is um like they all had been jam you know jack irons hello slovak um Flea, they'd all been jamming in a different band before Chili Peppers started. And so Anthony knew how to be like, when he came in, he knew how to be a role player and write the lyrics around what sounded cool to the... Like, when I hear the Chili Peppers, I hear a lyricist who knows his role and who, like, one of the reasons... I think he's one of the best lyricists. Like, people are going to crap on me for saying that Anthony Key is one of the best lyricists of all time because I've heard some... Some people just don't like the Chili Peppers. I don't get it. You know, yeah, screw them, you know. But, um... Like, I think he's one of the best of all time because what you got in this band is, like, and it continues like this throughout even the later years. You got, you know, like, Jack Irons, Hello Slovak, Flea. Then, like, later years, you got um, Chad Smith. You got Prashante and Flea. And you got such a stacked band of, like, like 
for Shante and Flo, like who's better than them at guitar and bass? Like it's arguable. You know, anybody who's gonna be, you know, it's like it's like it's like not know. even that it's better, but like who could also start another band? Yeah, they're just like, all Fleek so start a band. good. Yeah, yeah. And so super... he just knows how to write lyrics to the Red Hot Chili Peppers um, instrumentals that still allow those instrumentals to be the main thing singing. It feels like, and if you dig is that deep, what you do? I don't think I do that as well as Kiedis does it. Like I, I, I'd like to think I do that, but I, I, I um, but no, I, th- I think he has a different gift where he, um, he writes what what the what the song needs really well, and he he seems to take a pretty humble approach with that, and seems to really um, allow like his band to really lead him a lot and what and what's good, and it seems like they in turn from what i understand really allow him to have a certain amount of freedom with what he writes about um and so it's which he's a very um enigmatic songwriter like he's so metaphorical as such like it's sometimes i have a hard time figuring out what he's saying until i read it a few times um but and even then you know who knows if right. i really know Do you ever what get you know? to the bottom of it yeah exactly yeah. you know and uh, um but Man, they're they're just so like that. They're just such a good band. They're one of those even even in their even their worst albums are the are some like of my favorites. You yeah, know, you know. Yeah. It's... Yeah. I started learning when I started learning guitar. It was all for Shante. From pretty much once I got an electric, I was like obsessed with. And I got this guitar magazine, and for Shante was on the cover, and it had like the riff to scar tissue or something on it <laughs> it was just like super basic super simple and i and then when you really start looking at at least in the 90s 2000s his guitar playing mm-hmm. it's, it's it's um live he kind of goes crazy on these solos but his riffs are they're not technically like super hard to play well you know he's yeah he's a, he has this humility with it that's really you think that's what it is? I always, yeah. I, think I just so. loved it. I just like ate it up. I was like, this is so uh, raw. I mean, I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna pretend I know what's going on in John Frusciante's <laughs> head because that guy's one in a million. But uh, one in a you know he's, but it I I do feel like what I hear with him is like, it sounds like he's he hears something in his head that sounds beautiful to him. And then he's trying to create that, and it's—I do think there's a certain amount of humility with. Like I, I remember seeing an interview with him where someone asked him, "They're like, you know, I've seen parts of your songs where you'll take a certain amount of silence before coming in back in with a note," and him saying, "Like, well, the rest, the like the silence, like that you of waiting for that note, changes what the note is when it finally comes around. Like the amount of silence before it comes back in changes." what it means you know and so he's uh, he knows what he's doing he's that that's that's what's um fascinating about him is i think one of one of the things that makes him one of the best rock guitarists of all time is he knows how to use silence um which is something some some i've you know some people never know how to do that some some and that's not even just guitar some drummers some lyricists never know how to do you know some people don't know how to how to like rest for a second and and allow you know allow that for that the the silence to take its turn you know? yeah it's, it's have you ever played with somebody i played with some bass players who rest so much that it's like <laughs> it's it's so cool yeah like you see it a lot in funk 
but where these guys will just they'll be like resting for a whole measures you know and it makes you miss it and so when it comes back in it's like yeah <laughs> you're like oh yeah yeah, yeah. like there yeah, it is there know? it is yeah i love that it's very teasing like with the audience you know mm-hmm. it's like a conversation i guess too yeah you're definitely conversing with the audience when you play live definitely definitely yeah it's that's that's all fun of it what's what's hard is when there's like no audience and then you have to you're kind of have to like <laughs> you don't have as much to converse with them like know? right now no, or, no 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 like uh well, we've all we've all been like you know shows with unattended yeah, shows. We're all yeah, we've okay. been in local bands where oh, yeah. like you know you didn't promote your show well enough and ten, oh, yeah. ten people show up and you're uh, oh yeah and then uh, I and thought then you meant like right now no 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 what yeah. do you mean? it's just me and you you're my audience <laughs> yeah um, you think that shows are gonna be coming coming back soon oh man that is like. That's the toughest one, man. That's the not I, that, that. the first thing you told me when you when you came over was something like I'm doing pretty good. I miss playing shows. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I do. Very that that's no question. I miss I miss playing shows a lot. Um, whether or not, I think when I'm scared, I, I don't really know anything. I'll tell you what I'm scared of. I'm scared that uh, shows will come back and. Um, no one will go to them. I mean, I'm like honestly, if if you were to have a show right now, I probably wouldn't go to it. I'm not really like I I like it seems like everybody's just jumping right back in the in the um, uh, like I'm even me like I'm like ah, I'm gonna wait like now that things are opening back up again. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm gonna wait you know a few weeks and see you know when see see if there's another spike of you know coronavirus cases blah blah um yeah i don't know when this is gonna air just to date this this is june 15th right now so this is <laughs> but yeah. uh but yeah. uh um uh, so like i i think my worry is that shows are gonna come back and um they won't i mean when i would before the the thing is like when you put on a show, you're trying to get as many people to come. You want to pack that. You want to sell uh-huh. it out, you know? Yeah. So, um, I don't know what it'll look like. I don't know. Cause they we're yeah. kind of good battling the opposite. Normally you want to pack as many people into that space. You want them shoulder to shoulder. You want them sitting on each other's shoulders. You want them, you know, like, yeah. so it's, it's, a, it, that's the weird thing is that we were having to figure out a new way of, uh, of, uh, you know, maybe it's yeah. just going to take some time. God, man, if I go to a show <laughs> And there's like X's on the floor of where you can stand, and it's like six feet apart. Uh, Dave Chappelle just did a stand-up comp uh, special, which was like that. Was it? <laughs> <laughs> that was so weird. Uh, that that I bet he had fun with that though. That's, <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. It's it makes sense yeah, though. Like Thirty it, people it's, there. It's the world we're in at the moment, you know. That's yeah. <laughs> how how have you felt about that? Like going through the corona more the coronavirus as like as a musician as a musician yeah you're um, shut down from doing what you normally do for me i think uh i i've been dad's underwear started right around 13 14 months ago um technically before that there was a lot of preparation going into it and blah blah and really um yeah, you haven't been a band for that long. Thirteen no. months. Yeah, right around here. What kind of preparation did you do? Oh, he's well. I guess the preparation is just finding bandmates. You know, like going okay. through. Uh, when I say prep, like 
is for lack of a better word is is a it's more yeah. like um gotcha um just the everything that led up to being you know all the who started sh- it um uh, it was so me and my drummer henry have been in four bands together now um and then when we teamed up with seth um we hadn't written any when what became dad's underwear was when uh it was the first project where Seth became like lead guitarist songwriter. Oh. Um, so it's the first project where we had Seth Lawrence and writing lead, lead guitar licks, and mm. um, and we were writing around, all writing as a three piece together, and that that's when Dad's underwear formed like a year I ago. See. Um, and before that, the three of us had jammed together in a project called Spoon Me Softly, um, which is like a comedy band we've been working on. Um, and Spoon Me Softly is really just me and a different friend, Matt Norcott, and we write comedy songs together. Um, but for a couple months, we we played uh, we played those comedy songs with the full band. And um, I think in the future we'll probably go back to just playing them um, with like acoustic guitar, just and singing them the two of us. Because one thing about comedy songs is like uh, some of the songs were hard to do with a full band. Because you want the punchlines to come through when you're singing them, you know, you know, which Tenacious D, like, they're masters of doing, like, the whole full band, singing a funny lyric that they can enunciate clearly hmm. and have an expression behind, like, that is genius. I, Tenacious D is one of my top five bands, favorite yeah. bands of all time, because to make, like, multiple comedy concept albums that are, like, that sophisticated and that, that go that hard is so hard to do in my opinion it's it's i i don't know how they do it so we were never i never felt like spoon me like spoon me softly me and matt kind of agreed later we're like this probably will work better as a two-piece maybe for for this so yeah. we'll, we'll probably end up working on that at some point again but yeah. um what it really did was in trying to jam it as a full band it birthed dad's underwear mm-hmm. and um that's a weird sentence um it <laughs> it uh <laughs> our band dad's underwear start you know like around a year ago but what's kind of nice about for me musically what how that plays out like a year later with quarantine happened is like it allowed me to don't don't, don't get me wrong i hated it i hated that we had to put everything on stand boy like i love just going ham playing shows preparing for shows writing songs um practicing as much as possible i love the process um but I think it was kind of healthy healthy for us as a band to have to step back and slow down because that's something that I can be really bad at. I can be really bad at, um, at not just wearing myself out. Like, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll just go ham, ham, ham for, like, two months straight, and then yeah. I'll hit a wall, you know? Um, yeah. So, yeah. as a musician, I think I think having to slow down and work, focus on making cartoons and, um, and focus on, on taking care of myself and making yeah. sure, like, getting our vision straight and some of those other things, um, in the long run, I think we're actually going to be strangely stronger for it, you know? Yeah, sure. I mean, it's like a special time. Never happened before. Uh, nobody's really doing much, so you have, like, this... I felt like a relief socially, like, hmm. um, Interesting. not that I go out at all really, but even more of a relief to like not go out and be social. Hmm. Um, man, I hated it. I, <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. I, I, I missed people a lot immediately. I was just like, oh, I hate this. <laughs> yeah. I was working too, though, so maybe that was. Gotcha. It. Yeah, I I went. I I'm I'm still still on unemployment, so. I think that's what it is. To be honest, 
I heard someone say like, oh, in the future, there's going to be like jobs that go to a place to work and then jobs that stay home. And I was like, I mean, it kind of already happened, right? Yeah, makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And then the guy went on further to say, like, he thought that, like, college students, when they were graduating, they were going to be trying to buy for the jobs where you get to go to a workplace because you get to have that social interaction. Hmm. That makes sense. I would want that. Right. I, I like having a, I like having a workplace where I can go and, and interact with people. You know? Right, right. Hmm. Was that the thing that, w- that, that that's, that's what you missed most? I do, I, I do miss going to work, yeah. I, I miss... Uh, um, and also, we, we couldn't practice, so without... My life mostly before that looked like uh, practice, um, writing, and work, you know, um, yeah. and shows. And so it was basically the band and work. And, uh, put on a halt. Both of them. The band wasn't put on a halt, but the fun parts of the band were put. The practicing, the shows, you know, the fun, gotcha. you know. And then, so then I, stop motion is fun, but there's also a grueling side to it. You know, it, the, I think the seeing the your hard work become animated that's really fun um the hard work going in though sometimes that's not fun but but i think the the feeling like you earned the when you see you created something that you think is cool that's you know that's a really good feeling um yeah but but that social i like just finishing things like finishing things yeah doesn't matter the quality is less and less important to me Hmm. Yeah, no, it's I, I, it's it's a weird like I think over time, like I care about the quality, but I mostly like it. It in my brain, I like I become more realistic with myself of like, okay, this project, if I want to do it, it'll take four or five months. Or this project, if I want to do it, I need you know. So sometimes it's like that. It's like, do I want to do I want to take five months out of my life to work on a project? You know, you know, ask myself that question honestly, because really? you know, like, really? I don't want to start a project really? Really? halfway, and then you know. But then there's other times where it's like, I want to draw this picture. I'm gonna stay up till one in the morning, and I'm gonna work to get that picture done. Or yeah. like, you know, yeah. I'm gonna stay and work on these lyrics till well, one in the morning. It was a smaller you know? project. Right? Yeah, yeah. So that the big project, you're thinking, do I want to commit for four or five? months yeah i mean with the stop motion music video i definitely thought like i had to like think through first like once i do this like this is a really like process this is a a project that requires patience you know Mm -hmm. um and so i had to really think like do i want to do this because you know once you get halfway through it you you know you've already put in like 150 200 hours at least like so yeah that's all that's a lot if you if you tap out then (laughs) you wasted a lot of time you know so i had to really i did have to think like oh am i willing to give up like three four months of this kind of being a main project which quarantine helped with that because normally that would have been a no that would have been like no i don't have the time with the band and the and the work but i have to sit on my ass for four months so so that was an automatic quarantine was an automatic factor in that yeah yeah it, it, it definitely um it definitely was. I think a lot of people yeah. felt that way. Yeah, it was like, oh, there's. Well, I wouldn't normally do this, but. But I now it's quarantine. Yep. Now I got time. Yeah. And I was going crazy. I mean, I, uh, I needed something like that. Like, yeah. like I, I need something to do. I, I didn't want to just sit around and read and watch TV all the time. You know, like, yeah. like create something. Yeah. Now I feel the same way. It's back to that idea of like, if you don't feel like you're making something, you have trouble finding meaning. 
Yeah, or uh, or if you're not like impacting somebody, too. I think that that yeah, for me, it's I I feel like I need it to be given something back in in some way, or else it it I feel stagnant. Yeah. <laughs> and and then like any all human beings are so creative. Everybody's open to it. I think it's being open to that idea of that I whatever it is the muse coming in, hanging out and leaving that I'm trying to like ride mm. both how I record music and write music. So like doing things in real time as much as possible. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, yeah. It's like a luxury as of, of a solo artist. It's the, the one luxury of a solo artist. Mm. I'd say over being in a band. Depends. I think too. It depends on how much uh, you're right. Cause it, with band, you kind of have to, you have to, you can have to schedule that. Like, yeah, and you, you got to schedule it. You got to um, all be in the mode. Got to all get on the same vision. You got to. Um, I'd I'd argue it's more powerful because there's three, four humans, band live bands. I mean, it depends. Yeah, yeah. Depends. It depends. Yeah, yeah I'd say. I mean, like, I think, because like, uh, I mean, you think like like David Bowie, who's more powerful than him. I guess he's probably got a band up there with him too. But it's all you know. I think there, a lot of times, like you know, but. It, a lot of times the stories do come from like my band we're, we're writing all the songs all three of us together um we have our different roles like i'm i'm playing lyrics and writing lyrics singing them you know um seth's writing guitar playing it henry's writing drums playing them we each got our own roles but there's some bands where it's like one guy's kind of writing all the main stuff and you know playing them playing the leader and has the vision and that's you know like uh like you were mentioning pink floyd you know mm-hmm. like sid barrett was the the genius master of the early stuff that like uh-huh. would create this crazy uh-huh. difficult stuff that they'd all have to figure out how to do you know um i love i love thinking like i love figuring out all the different ways that different bands run and the different and then seeing how different solo artists run too and seeing like how how they figure out how to do it and what each one looks like you know yeah it's, it's pretty fascinating it really is. there's so many it's different like, ways to do it right it's so weird group work right yeah it's like group cooperation yeah and also creative cooperate i guess maybe it's those the same things but creatively working with a group is gonna have it's gonna have struggles but it's gonna have like magic you know yeah yeah and there's some like a lot of the magic comes like through that struggle too, like you know, like you right, know, right. Through, like like when uh like when you overcome something like an argument or uh, something as a band, and then like that feeling afterwards of like man, we overcame that. Now we know what to argue, or man, we you know like it's, it's like that's such a good feeling. That's one of the that's that gives me so much encouragement, you know. <laughs> it's like sick. I mean, I, you know, the best thing you could probably do as a band is is be like really honest and learn how to communicate with each other and each yeah. other's styles and each other's communication styles if yeah. i yeah if i would go back i'd probably focus more on that and some of the bands i've been in uh, yeah for me it's like i have to um the main thing i think i can do with my dudes is uh with seth and henry is just to encourage them they both work really hard you know and uh i i have a tendency to be like the the guy who like I beat myself up a lot, so I got to make sure I don't beat other people up, you know. Because <laughs> um, so it's like I have to make sure I'm not like p- 
pushing like the band all the time and make sure I'm like taking note of like wow look at all this awesome crap my band you know look look, look at all these awesome riffs that, that they did look at yeah. what they're doing here look you know and so it's um it's interesting because we all we all have different roles to play with that and um and the, the, they're such like those guys are so so patient with me and so patient with each other they're uh, I'm, I'm i'm really lucky lucky with seth and henry they're they're, they're good bandmates you that's know? great man yeah well ryan yeah man how you feeling feeling good good it's good to talk to you hell yeah man i'm, I'm glad we I'm glad we caught up yeah got to talk about music absolutely um we'll catch you next time dad's hell everywhere yeah. check him out uh, tyler melhaps madman check it out